Hey, Hope City Church, excited to be together for the next few minutes as we finish out part three of our series that we're in called Thriving in Babylon. Thriving in Babylon. We actually did this series in 2015 uh, at our church, but I wanted to bring it back. It's like a remix, right? We're bringing it back because I feel like it's so relevant to where we're living at today, what we're feeling and what we're going through. And I feel like the book of Daniel, that's what we're doing is we're studying and looking through the book of Daniel um, I feel like the book of Daniel teaches us and reminds us of some truths that we need to we need to know. And so as we are reading Daniel and studying Daniel, we're trying to answer this question. How can a Christian live confidently and passionately in a world that feels like it's more and more, it doesn't value what God values? How can a Christian live confidently and passionately in a world that it feels like more and more, the world doesn't value what God values. We shortened it up to, to say it like this. How does my faith affect my response to adversity? How does my faith affect my response to adversity? And, and I wanted to talk about this because I just feel like that, you know, adversity can be something that's happening to us, something we did to ourselves, but really kind of big picture where we are right now as a culture and a society, it just feels like Everybody's trying to draw lines in the sand, trying to separate us. And this isn't a new thing necessarily. Uh, we've, you know, people have always tried to divide, but it just feels like with you know, medical orders and government mandates and social media and lawsuits and everything else, what is the role of a Christian? Like, my faith is in Jesus. What does that mean for me? And how am I supposed to live? And how am I supposed to you know, model? And what, what does God want to do with my life and use my life? What does God expect of me in a time like this? where it just feels maybe more hostile. It feels maybe uh, a little more like everybody's ready to fight or argue. And what should we do? Should we fight? You know, should, should we fight? Should we hire lawyers? Should we protest, riot? Should we, you know, submit and do exactly what our leaders tell us to do? Should we get involved in comments and conversations on Facebook? Should we start a podcast about it? You know, should we fight with our, our relatives? I mean, if my faith is in Jesus, how am I supposed to live in a world that doesn't value what I value? And that's why the story of Daniel is so important and so valuable because Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were taken from their home as captives of war and raised in Babylon, the most evil, most non-God-fearing culture and society in the world, this is where they are, and they model for us what it looks like to have complete faith and trust in God. That's what we've been, that's what we've been learning. Taking three weeks to answer that question and those finding those qualities and characteristics that, that we should have as Christians, no matter how bad or dark or evil or frustrating the world feels. So the first week we talked about hope. We talked about hope, that God's in control of who's in control. Last week we talked about humility that you're only as spiritual as the kindness that you show the people you disagree with. And, and for this final week, we want to talk about wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. wisdom. Now, I want you to imagine with me for a moment that, that you and all the Christians that you know were filled with hope, humility, and wisdom. Think about that for a second. Do you feel like the world will be a different place? Do you feel like your neighborhoods, your jobs, your, your churches would be a different place if you and all the Christians that you knew were filled with hope and humility and wisdom? I do. That's why we're doing this series. And so let's talk about wisdom. And to, and to do that, we're going to read a story in Daniel from chapter 2, from the book of Daniel, chapter 2. 
We're only going to read a few verses and start in verse 46. But before we do that, I want to kind of set up the story for you. So here's what happens in chapter two of Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and it's a crazy dream and he doesn't know what it means. And so he wakes up and he calls all of his psychics and all of his fortune tellers and all of his mystics in. And he, um, he says, you know, tell me what my dream means. And none of them could do it. I mean, they try and they just cannot tell him what it is. And it's finally somebody says, hey, there's a, there's a kid, Daniel. There's this guy, Daniel. He can tell you. He's good at, at interpreting dreams. And so the king brings Daniel in. And Daniel, not only does he interpret the dream, but without the king even telling them what the dream is, Daniel tells him, like, this is your dream, which was crazy. And then Daniel interprets the dream and exactly right, gives the wisdom that God shares with him. And then in verse 46, let's read this together. Chapter 2, verse 46, this is what it, it says. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him. This is probably the most powerful person in the world at the time. King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him, and he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. Had to be crazy for Daniel, right? And the king said to Daniel, 47, Truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Now check out what happens. Verse 48, Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all the wise men. Verse 49, At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the provinces of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. Now, I want to show you this. If you have a Bible, maybe you have a Bible out. It's not going to be on the TV for you. But if you go back to chapter 1, we talked about this last week. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 8, look at chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself. So this is not a series about compromise. This is not a series about acting more like the world. We have two things that are true. Verse 8, Daniel was determined not to defile himself, chapter 1. Chapter 2, verses 48 and 49, the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all the wise men. He made him the second most powerful person in the entire country. Both things can be true. He was determined not to defile himself, and he was put into power as a God-fearing man in a place that did not fear God. After captivity and castration and name change and an occult education, he's now like the second most important person in Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar is bowing down to him, declaring that Daniel's God is the greatest God. He's promoted which is crazy. That's not how it's supposed to work, right? That's not how it's supposed to work. Daniel believes in God and these guys are evil and they hate God. So Daniel was supposed to like start a riot, throw a press conference, a private Facebook group. This is what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to be angry and not compromise. He's supposed to spit in the face of Nebuchadnezzar, right? Wrong. Here's what these verses in this story shows us is that influence is, is earned. Influence is, is earned. Wow. Here's a question for you. How are you going to change the world? Which, by the way, side little thing here, that's not what God asks you to do. But if that's what you want to do, how are you going to change the world if no one likes you or wants to listen to anything you have to say? 
It's a question for you. Want to change the world? Want to tell the world about Jesus? Well, what if nobody cares what you have to say? Daniel teaches us that influence is earned. Daniel doesn't just teach us that. Esther teaches us that. Influence is earned. Nehemiah teaches us that. Influence is earned. Ezra teaches us that. Influence is, is earned. See, all of those stories come from the Old Testament time when the Jewish people were taken captive. It's kind of this random part in the Old Testament, but it's 70 years when these people who loved God, these Jewish people were taken from their home and brought to these places that were not Christian. They were not God-fearing. But the reason we love these stories is because these God-fearing people earned influence in a society and culture that did not respect their God. They didn't spit in their face. And to the people who took shots at them, I'm sure they felt like they were compromising and blending in too much. But here's what we learned from their stories, Daniel, and all those stories, is that influence is earned. And that God used their faithfulness, their silent faithfulness, their quiet faithfulness, their hard work, their wisdom, their humility. God used it to elevate them and to put them in a position of power. Now, I'm not saying that God's plan for every person is to be elevated to a, to a position of power. I'm not saying everybody should run for office or be the boss. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that God will promote and elevate and give influence to people when they are doing what God asks them to do and wants them to do, but also doing it in a way that wins the respect and the favor of people. Okay? So, I want to show you um, two ways that Daniel was incredibly wise, because we're talking about wisdom. We've already talked about hope. We've already talked about humility. I want to, I want to show you about wisdom. And just in what we read and what we know about Daniel, I'm going to show you two ways that Daniel was, was wise in this story. Number one, here's the first way. Daniel had the wisdom to prepare for his opportunity. Daniel had the wisdom to prepare for his opportunity. Now, we haven't read these verses yet, but I want to um, show you Daniel chapter 1, verses 17 through 20. If you go back a little bit, I think these are going to be on the screen for you. But if you go back just a little bit, 17 through 20, this is what it says. It says, God gave these four young men. This is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. Now, just in case you're wondering... Every aspect of literature and wisdom includes the literature and wisdom that is not Christian. That actually the Babylonians were known for being experts in the occult and witchcraft. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken captive and had to go to school with the Babylonians, which means they didn't get to take a permission slip home to mommy and say, can I opt out of this? They had to be in this, and, and verse 17 says that God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And we know later on in chapter 2 that Daniel understood it better than they understood it. He didn't believe it, but he knew it better than they knew it. And then it says, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of dreams and visions. And when, verse 18, the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought out all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No one impressed him more. These were the God-fearing people who, who I'm sure were not happy about having to go through the class, but they went through the class, and no one, no one impressed the king more. Verse 20, whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment. If you have a Bible, that's a phenomenal little place to underline right there. Whenever the king thought to himself, who could I talk to who would have wisdom and balanced judgment? He thought of the Christians. He thought of the God-fearing people. 
And whenever he wanted somebody with wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them, look at this, 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. And Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. Those, those verses are insane that these God-fearing boys, really is what they were, teenagers, college-age kids, these God-fearing kids were forced to do something that went against what they preferred and went against what they would have chosen to do. But they did it, excelled at it, and were known as the ones who had wisdom and balanced judgment. Daniel graduated top of his class. Daniel prepared and became smarter than the people who he was having to join it with. This is wisdom to prepare for your opportunity. If there's something you want to do in life, if there's something that you want to make a difference in life, if there's, if there's influence that you want to have, if you want to make music, be the best musician. If you want to make movies, be the best producer. If you want to start a business, start the best business. Well, what does that mean? That means you got to go to school or you got to read the books or you got to find a mentor or you've got to, you're probably going to have to go make friends with non-Christian musicians if you want to be the best musician. No offense to the Christian musicians out there, but you probably got to go some other places as well. You're probably going to have to study some movies that aren't Christian movies. Listen, the Christian movies are getting better, all right? But I'm just saying that's a recent thing, all right? You're probably going to have to go study some movies with, you know, things maybe that you don't totally agree with. But what you're believing is that you cannot defile yourself and you can prepare for your opportunity for influence, success, because you want to be the best. That's what Daniel did. Daniel had the wisdom to prepare for his opportunity. So what would, ha- what would have happened? Think about this. What would have happened if Daniel had just decided to abstain from any association with the Babylonians? If he had said, you know what, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to stand out here outside the gate and I'm not going to do nothing. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to learn. I'm not going to read. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to do nothing. What would have happened? Nothing. That's what would have happened. See, participating and endorsing is not the same thing. You can take a class in college or eat at a restaurant with friends or go to a family member's wedding, and that doesn't mean that you're endorsing or agreeing with a decision. Only you know the motives of your heart. Now, some people, that may mean that they are endorsing it or agreeing with it, but you don't know that. I don't know that. You know you, and I know me, and only you know the motives of your heart. And if the motive of your heart is influenced so that at some point in time you can speak to a situation, then that means you're going to have to participate and support some people or some things that are not exactly what you would choose. But you're looking at the bigger picture because, you know, influence is earned. Influence is earned. So that leads us to our second one. Let me give you the second wisdom that we see Daniel having here in this story. Number two, we see that Daniel had the wisdom to fight the right battles. This is probably my favorite part of the whole story. Uh, the, what I love about this the most, Daniel had, had the, the, the wisdom to fight the right battles. He refused to compromise. Again, chapter 1, verse 8, he was determined not to defile himself. He refused to compromise, but he also did not speak up in areas that were not most important. The problem is we think everything's most important, right? We argue with the same passion about you know abortion and a TV show getting canceled, you know, because everything's most important. 
But Daniel didn't think everything was most important. He had the wisdom to know when to speak up and when to stay quiet. Let me give you a couple examples. When they changed his name from Daniel to Prince of Satan, the Bible doesn't say that he said anything. When, when they told him that he had to study the occult, the Bible doesn't say that he did anything. It says he excelled. When they told him that he would have to eat the king's meat, he spoke up with humility, not anger. But if you keep reading in the story, we're not going to get a chance to read it. If you keep reading, once they told him that he could not pray, that's when he decided, I can't go along with that. I can't go along with that. Because that would be defiling. That would be going against what I know I should do and what I know I can't stop doing. I cannot stop praying to my God. You call me what you want. Put me in whatever school you want. Assign me to whatever job role you want. Give me whatever title you want. But I can't stop praying. We have to have the wisdom to know which battles are the right battles to fight. And every battle can't be the most important you can't fight with the leader of your neighborhood home association the same way you fight with your senator, the same way you fight with your relative, the same way you fight with your pastor. Everything can't be most important. We have to know the difference between preference and God's word. And most of the things that you're passionate about fighting for are preference. They're personal convictions. They're not God's word. And it's okay that you have them. It's okay that you have them. But what you need to know is for every line you draw in the sand, it is your decision. But for every line you draw in the sand, you're giving up the opportunity for influence. And that's your decision. And you get to make that decision because only you know your heart. But what I want to do, I want to be the type of person that only draws a line in the sand where God draws a line in the sand. I want to be the person that only says I will not compromise when God clearly states I should not compromise. If God forbids it, I want to stay away from it. But where there is room to love and to care and to participate and to win influence and, and, and be able to share and excel in people's lives, I want to do that. Everybody listen to me. Our job is not to win a battle. Our job is to follow Jesus. That's our job. You say, yeah, but God would want me to. No, God wants you to follow him. Reminds me of the story when Jesus was getting arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and Peter pulls out the sword and cuts off the dude's ear. And Peter had just been sleeping when he was supposed to be praying. And like cutting guy's ear off feels way more noble than praying in private. But Jesus says, I'd rather you pray in private than grab a sword and fight somebody. And, and so I always try to remember that when it's like, yeah, I, it's so much more noble to like fight somebody. But Jesus is like, if you just pray so you won't give in to things. And so God doesn't need us to do that. He just wants us to follow him. All right. Now, I, I want to end this series and this message this way. Okay. I want to try to describe to you what a modern day Daniel looks like. Because as I'm sitting here talking about Babylon, you're like, well, you know, I mean, I live in Louisville. It's not, you know, totally Babylon. <laughs> Um, I don't study the occult, you know, like it, it can be hard sometimes to kind of connect the dots between, okay, well, what about me? Like I, we have a government that doesn't tell us we can't pray or anything like that. So like, what, what do I do and how does that look for me in my life? I'm going to give you a couple of examples. These are just some that I came up with, but I'm gonna give you a couple of examples of what a modern day Daniel could look like. Okay. Maybe some of these relate to where you are. 
Here's an example of a modern day Daniel. A person who wakes up every morning with optimism, knowing God is in control and evil will not win no matter what it feels like. That's a modern day Daniel. Not even worried about where you work or nothing like that. Just waking up with optimism, optimism because you know God's in control and evil will never win no matter what. No matter what. No matter what's on the news, no matter what's on Facebook, doesn't matter. You know evil will never win. God will always win. So I'm living with faith and optimism. That's a modern day Daniel. Let me give you another one. A person who chooses to abstain from spreading fear, hate, and cynicism about society, government, education, and religion. That's a modern day Daniel. Not one time. Not one time in the story of Daniel do we see him being cynical. Do we see him spreading fear, hate, or cynicism? Even when he decides to continue to pray and he's getting ready to be thrown in the lion's den, he's respectful. He just says, you know, hey, if God, God will save me, if he doesn't, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but he's not threatened about the lion's den. And so if you find yourself, you know, spreading fear, hate, cynicism, or, you know, conspiracies, or government, educate, all this stuff, that's not a modern day Daniel. We want, to, we want to be the opposite. Let me give you another one. A modern day Daniel could be an employee who is fully engaged, faithful, and prepared when their opportunity comes, serving their boss, no matter who they are, with passion and integrity. That's a modern day Daniel. Let me read that one again. An employee who is fully engaged, faithful, and prepared when their opportunity comes, serving their boss with passion and integrity. Wouldn't it be amazing? I know this sounds a little cliche, but wouldn't it be amazing if like when a, when a business needed to hire somebody, the, the owner of the business is like, you know what? I want, I want a Christian in this role right here because they're the hardest working, most faithful, most, most honorable, respectful, wise, balanced judgment people that I've ever met. That would be pretty amazing, right? Let me give you another one. A modern day Daniel could be a kind and loyal friend who has the respect of his colleagues, classmates, family members, and adversaries. A modern day Daniel is somebody who people is like, man, I don't agree with most of what that guy says, but he's smart. He's really brilliant. Or man, you know, we disagree on a lot of stuff, but he's the one of the nicest people I've ever met. He's the real deal. Let me give you one more. A modern day Daniel could be a Christian who knows the difference between their personal preference and God's commands and chooses to give grace to others and refuses to disobey God's word no matter how much pressure they feel from the world around them. That's a long one. It's a tongue twister. But it's a person who says, I'm not going to make my personal preference your rule of law, God's law, but I'm also not going to compromise when I know that God has either called me personally not to do it or God's word clearly states that I shouldn't because my faith is in him. This is the opportunity that we have when we live in a culture and a world that doesn't value what we value. We have the opportunity through hope and through humility and through wisdom, not through anger and fights and controversy. And No, through hope, through humility, and through wisdom, we have an opportunity to influence the world around us. And they go, you know what? There's something different about those people. And I believe if we'll do that, if we'll fight for hope, humility, and wisdom, that influence will be earned and God will give us the opportunity to speak into situations we never would have had the opportunity to speak into. To speak to people or to, or to, or to create change in situations we never would have been able to create change. But it's going to require us to have the wisdom to be prepared and the wisdom to know what battles to fight. I want to pray for us as we close this out. God. Thank you for wisdom. You told us, God, that if we needed wisdom, we should ask for it and you'd give it to us. That's what your word says. And so, God, we're asking for it. 
We're asking for wisdom, God, because it's so easy to focus on the wrong things. It's so easy to fight the wrong battles. It's so easy, God, to think that everything's most important. But God, we're asking for wisdom to know which battles to fight. We're asking for the ability, the patience, the endurance, the help, the favor, God, to be able to be involved in things that aren't exactly what we would do. But God, because you've placed us there, we're going to be the best at it. We're going to study the most. We're going to work the hardest. We're going to be the most respectful. Because God, we believe that influence is earned. And you're going to use that in order to make a difference in somebody's life, wherever we are. God, you've called us to be the light of the world. And you're going to use our lives to do that if we will keep our hope, keep our humility, and keep our wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.